0: Live from Casa de Monte Cristo with Selena Marcus. It's Smoking Section.
1: This is uh, the season opener.
2: This is a season opener. The season opener. Smoky Section.
1: Yes. Okay. All right. Maybe we should have her do that. I
2: know. <laughs> Hey, you want me to just do a really bad one? Just like, boo doo ba dee Welcome now to the smoking section. Oh, we're adding that. And you just play that. that every single time. Every single
1: time. <laughs> every single time.
2: And then I'm going to be walking down the street, and you're like, hey, are you that girl that, wait, hey, I think she's the girl. She's the girl that did the smoking she's section. The- nope.
1: <laughs> Can you pass me that lighter, please? I didn't, I didn't uh, evenly light that. Lighting my cigar like a damn amateur over here. Come on, it, it happens. To I the like best to of see us.
2: how long I can get the ash, and I like to get it longer than all the other guys smoking. And then I like to say, "Mine's bigger than
0: yours." Oh, we're gonna have us an ash competition. See how long who who ashes longest? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this, this is, yeah, he's already out. So he already dipped his. <laughs> 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 this is gonna be great. We have here. Georgia Peach. Yes. She has fiery red hair that goes along with her fiery badass attitude. (laughs) Love it. Love it. With her fiery badass music. Keep going. That is changing the game. (laughs) She is the Mm. first female artist in three years to debut with the highest ad Mm. on Family Tree, which we all know the story about how I felt about Family Tree when I first heard it. Mm Mm-hmm. Did Mikey tell you that story?
2: No, but I, I heard a little bit of it on your podcast.
1: <laughs> oh, she done peeped it out. She done peeped it out. I was I was very happy that it happened. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Kaylee Hammock. Welcome to the show.
0: Ah, thanks, it's good to be here.
1: Yes, yeah, she's having a cigar, and we decided that we're going to start doing a ash contest. Who can keep their ash the longest?
2: Yes, I so feel far like she's my, winning. My my ash is very long right now. She's
1: very long. She, she's uh she's winning by a by a landslide. The I key can, is you keep I it tilted up. It yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, don't tell us your trick, but now I know.
0: Yeah, keep I that
2: take thing. that back. Rewind. Rewind.
0: It. It. <laughs> <laughs> keep that thing pointed up.
2: Go back and just bleep all that out, and they're going to be like, God, that girl has a dirty mouth. (laughs) Give no explanation as to what I really said. None whatsoever.
1: None whatsoever.
2: No, it's good to be here. It's good to be on a podcast that I can smoke a cigar and just show up in a baseball cap and
1: just kind of cut loose. I was so relieved when I sent you the DM and you said, absolutely, and I'm like, I love her already.
2: Yeah, so weird story. I actually, the guy that Just Friends is about, Mm -hmm. he used to come to this place, actually, Mm. and we'd get cigars here and smoke all the time. And anyways, I was like, oh, it's there. I was like, I already know where my favorite cigars are and everything. I was like, this is perfect. So anyways, yeah, I'm happy to be back. Any excuse to smoke a cigar?
0: Well, can I start off by saying, girl, you can sign you know what i'm saying I, I i was listening to to your songs and everything and your voice man is like a secret weapon you got that little vibrato thing going on but you don't use it all the time but when you do use it yeah yeah <laughs> use that shit like a secret weapon That's i'm gonna what I'm quote, about. That. You quote that but
2: when you use that weapon yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many A's was on that yellow, just so I can quote correctly? (laughs) I'm from
0: from Nashville, so no telling. (laughs)
1: That's awesome. No, it's true. Like, if you haven't heard Just Friends, go listen to fucking Just Friends. Mm -hmm. It starts out so peacefully, and then it comes in, and it's just, it's a headbanger. Mm -hmm.
2: That, I'll be completely honest, we didn't know. Mikey and I were a little scared to send that one in at first, because I just... I don't know. Mikey's a lot braver with me with uh, the Sonic side of stuff. I was afraid that the label would be like, this is way too off. This is really weird. I don't know if we're going to do this, but they have... I mean, Universal and Capitol Records has let me be real weird. And I don't know how I've gotten away with it, man, but... Yeah, my freak flag is flying high at Capitol Records. Mikey's definitely a sonic risk taker. And that was, I mean, that was why I wanted to work with him in the first place. He was young. He was hungry. He wanted to make something different. And without even meaning to, he does. He organically creates in a different manner than most producers I know. So I started working with Mikey. We actually worked on Family Tree. That was the first song we ever worked on. And we had a demo budget for it. So it was probably $500, $2,000. We didn't really want to spend all that money because money is tight when you're a staff Mm -hmm. writer, you know. Mm -hmm. So we were like, hey, let's just make it with friends, friends that understand that we're just trying to make something to try and give them IOUs. So then we can wait till the master comes out so we can really pay everyone what they deserve versus just 100 bucks right now. All of a sudden we got all of our friends together and had it. All kind of just happened. Uh, Mikey and I worked probably 50, 60 hours by ourselves in his little studio, and Family Tree just happened. So, just friends. When that came to be, it was kind of a shot in the dark. It was two different melodies that I'd written about the same guy, and couldn't figure out where to go with either of these songs, and brought it into the room one day with Mikey Reeves and Aaron Ratier and I played both of those melodies for him, and I was like, I wish I could just put them together. And Aaron was like, well, why can't we? And I was like, Mm. what? And yeah, so then it was like, we just, we kind of just went ham on it. It was really fun and um, we made it knowing like, we don't think anyone is actually going to like this except us, but we're gonna enjoy today. So we wrote the song, kind of got it fleshed out a little bit and sent it in with a whole group of songs for you know a potential record Mm -hmm. and that was a song that i kind of just was sitting on my hands waiting to see what they were going to say about it and turned out they liked it they were like yeah y'all go ahead and try that one you know it's weird but try it it's really it was the biggest risk we took on the record i feel like um but it turned out i feel like to be one of the best because of it right it's so much fun when you're on stage and you start that song and everyone that doesn't know you they like they're like okay like we're gonna go get a beer like we're gonna go you know yeah. it's a slow sad song and then all of a sudden you like the whole band comes in on that first hit and it's yeah. like yeah yeah <laughs> listen up <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah no it just it, that song's been a blessing all these songs have been.
1: I love that you said earlier that, you know how your label has basically allowed you to fly on your little wild wings by yourself you know let you be you Because yeah. that's what you have to be.
2: Yeah, we were very lucky with the way I realized that timing is so essential um, for artists to get to develop themselves the way that they need to mm-hmm. and they want to. Man, some people get record deals right off the bat. And mm-hmm. I used to be so envious when I was younger of those people that got mm-hmm. you a know, record deal at 16, 17. But when I see them losing control of like their creative process and getting more or less controlled by... The bigger people on their team versus getting to be themselves it, it breaks my heart and then I realized now looking back that I was the lucky one to get to kind of work behind the scenes and work outside of the spotlight on myself actively for years and years before anyone ever knew who I was to even notice me so that I actually had time to kind of just get my craft together you know before before the spotlight was shown on it. That's so.
1: crazy because you know a couple of years ago I was at Hong Kong Central, okay? And I saw this redhead play. <laughs> you are the only artist downtown to this day and I work downtown now. The only artist to this day that I have ever tipped what, what downtown Hong Kong Central. Did, did you tip or did yes. you make I did, tipped $20. dollars i going to say did you tip or did you make it rain? No, I tipped 20, I tipped the $20 <laughs> hey, bill.
2: $20 is awesome downtown. Yeah. <laughs> That's a I free
1: song. $20. Like, I I know. Did I
2: play you a song? No.
1: No, I didn't ask. <gasps> I did so it on mean. the way out. I'm so mean I did on the way out
2: oh well did that honestly way. means the world to me when someone gives me money and they're like I'm just giving this to you because you're good and I'm not I'm not asking you to sing a song for this I'm like he really liked me <laughs> like oh
1: my god oh, really? he really liked me he really did <laughs> yeah. I've, but I've, to this day I still have, I've never tipped any because I have a lot of friends who play downtown so it's like they, they yell at me
2: man that was how many years ago then two and a half years two and, and a
1: half years three years man yeah when I was making money <laughs>
2: what were you doing downtown
1: uh I, well I was just down there drinking that night uh but no I was um I was working for a, a tech company at that point in time so I was still had I said constant paychecks coming in uh we won't we won't name the name we don't no we won't long, name the but name.
2: it rhymes with shmoogle. I'm kidding <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> Or fahu? No, kidding. No, it, it, no, it's
1: a, it's we're gonna say it's just a fruit. It's a fruit? banana. I
2: love that. <laughs> I love that, that tech one. company is up that and coming. But I really company. believe I in them.
1: It. I love um, it. <laughs> hopefully, they're listening I on my phone. I feel so
2: stupid. I haven't had enough coffee yet. My brain cells don't wake up until about two every day oh now. Oh my
1: god! So I listened mm-hmm. to an episode, another episode of a different podcast a year, and. She got a phone call from Luke Bryan one time. Before I saw it, yeah. Before she was uh big. Yeah, back back when she was in Georgia, I think. And right? my my mm-hmm. whole the whole thing was that I loved about it was what she said, I know 50 Luke's.
0: <laughs>
2: Guys, like I still think about that. Now it's a funny interview, you know, thing to talk about, but like I can't tell you how many nights I laid awake and thought, you said that to Luke Bryan. You you get a phone call from someone that you admire, like an artist mm-hmm. that you admire, and you and you sass just sass at them, like.
0: He, <sighs> but that's but that's good though. That's brought him, that brought him back down.
2: You know what? I don't know if I was put on this world to make everybody happy. Maybe I'm just here to cut some people down every now and then. That's and
1: good. Keep them grounded. That's good, but it makes <laughs> no. that makes them happy at the same time because it humbles them. Right? Oh
2: Lord, no, yeah. I man. That was a really funny day. I was just turned 17, and um, i had been playing around in my hometown kind of area and the surrounding cities and stuff since I was 13. So I would started slowly kind of building a gathering mm-hmm. of people that come out to the shows and stuff, and I enjoyed it. But I was kind of still in this constant, like, just loop of playing right. the same bars, you know, every night. And, um turns out that my dad is a well driller and he drills water wells for um a couple different cities in our little rural area and he was drilling one for the city of leesburg and miss leclaire brian luke's mama mm-hmm. worked for the city of leesburg or the town before she uh retired so my dad met her and pretty much just started a conversation with her and my dad can talk to literally a wall and make it his friend so uh he i feel was- like you can too yeah, I definitely got that from him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if the wall will be my friend, but the wall will be entertained. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so my dad met her and was just like, hey, um, I have a daughter pursuing music. You have a son that has succeeded in his pursuit of music. And mm-hmm. I uh, just, you know, any advice do you have to a parent of a kid trying to do this? And Ms. LeClaire just said, I've heard about your daughter. Tell her to come see me. So my dad came home that day and was like, you have to go meet Luke Bryan's mom. And I was like, why? Like, <laughs> wait, what? And he's like, well, she works here. Like, gave me the address. I was like, just go see her. I think it would be wise for you to just go see her. Bring your CD. Just make that connection. And I was like, okay, all right. So I'm very prideful. I hate asking people for help or anything. And I was like, why did you ask them for help? And he's like, I didn't. I just asked for advice. And she told me to get you to come see her. So I did. Uh, I walk in there and... If you don't know Miss LeClaire, go on Instagram and search for her because this woman is a hoot. People think that Luke is the character in their family. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just wait. This woman is hilarious. I love this woman. But she uh, she's sitting at her desk. I walk in, and I'm holding my burnt CD that I wrote in permanent marker, the titles on. And it's all crappy music that I wrote when I was a kid. And she just looks up at me, and I'm like, Hi, uh, Miss LeClaire? And she's like, you're taller than I expected. <laughs> and I, I just I just looked at her and I was like, Yeah. Hi, I'm Kaylee. And anyway, she's like, I need a cigarette. Let's go outside. So we go outside. And we're leaning against the city hall or whatever the town hall and watching peanut trucks pass by. We talked for maybe like five, ten minutes, and then she sent me on my way. I gave her the burnt CD and I was like, Okay, she was a character, but I didn't think anything of it. Right, you know, and right. uh Anyways, she was very nice to me, but I didn't think anything would happen. I get back home. Probably about a week later, I get a phone call. And I don't know what had happened that day. I've been mad about five times in my life. That's about it. Like, real mad. Really? Like, it's it's a fine line at the end of my spectrum of anger that's like, once I get there, it's just like, I'm a demon. So but that only happens, you know. Let me scoop it. It's only happened it's like five times it's in a build my up. life. Yeah.
1: It's a buildup. You're like me. It's Every, a build up. Once it, it's there, it's like there's yeah. no coming. There's no coming back. It right. just was
2: one of those days. For some reason, I was mad at the world. And so I get this phone call and I answered it. And um, he's like, Hey, is this Kaylee Hammock? And I said, Yeah, who's this? And he goes, This is Luke. And I went, Look, I'm from South Georgia. I know fifty eight Luke's which Luke is it? He goes, Luke Bryan. And I was like, the the Luke that matters. No. Like, what did I do? So anyways, um, then I was like, I'm sorry. I've had a hard day. I apologize. (laughs) And then we started talking. And anyways, he just told me to move up. And I was like, well, I don't know if I'm ready yet. And he's like, I don't know if you're real stupid or real smart. um, But I think you need to move to Nashville. But if you think that you're not ready to do it, well, I guess get to Nashville when you want to. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to listen to you. I just I feel like I need to build my fan base for one more year here. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, all right, well, just move to Nashville when you think you need to move to Nashville. And um, anyway, so the next year I just worked my butt off playing gig after gig, trying to just build that fan base as hard as I could until I
1: was going to leave. How amazing was it for you that you had that stamp? Um, At seventeen years old, yeah, man,
2: that I've I've been blessed with. I am um, an animal of encouragement. That's mm-hmm. something I've realized very early on in my life. It's you'll get a lot farther if you leave me with a carrot than if you kick me in the ass. And I don't know, I I've been very blessed with the people that have been put in my life to encourage me towards it. Um, when I was thirteen, John Berry, um, a country singer, you know, mm-hmm. heard some of my original music. And encouraged me to move to Nashville. Got me hooked up with um, a writer at Universal Publishing, mm-hmm. which is actually my writing house. It was a weird full circle. That was the first publishing house I ever walked in. And it's the first publishing house I got a deal at in Nashville. Wow. So my life is a weird series of full circles. But um, anyways uh getting that connection um then starting to write with richie mcdonald from lone star um and those people encouraging me and giving me some guidance and mentorship when i was so young starting out here um even jennifer nettles i remember um her telling me that i needed to move to nashville and i was like okay but you know it's people don't realize sometimes like how words have power Right. Words mm. have so much power to do good or evil. And I feel like for a young dreamer, words mean the most. And supportive words like that from someone that has already made it, that really does go for
1: uh, just a long way in a young kid. And you talk about full circle, and you end up now you're label mates with Luke Bryan. Right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Do y'all talk about the story, though?
2: No. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it. Um, he had told me to call him when I moved to Nashville, and I didn't.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> Listen, the reason why is actually really good.
2: I'm just, I know everyone was like, why didn't you call? You had Luke Bryan's number and you didn't call him. You're stupid. And I'm like, the thing is, like, I've always been this person that if, if you don't know who I am, Then there's a reason why you don't know who I am. Hmm. But when you know who I am, there will be a reason why you know who I am. Okay. And it's one of those things I was like, I didn't come here to jump on Luke Brown's coattails like a lot of people try to do with country artists they know. I was like, no, I want to prove myself and I want to be able to come into that relationship with him as an equal versus someone just grasping for a moment of his time. Mm-hmm. I, I hate making artists or people higher up in the industry ever feel like... I'm wanting or needing something from them. I, I want to come in on an equal ground. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to work my butt off. I'm just going to work so hard and just keep my blinders on and keep my head down. And when people know me, it'll be the right time then. And, yeah, I just I have weird rules like that. Like, That's you carry though. your gear until people know your name. Like, you do that. Yeah. You load your own shit in.
1: Mm-hmm. Preach. Oh yeah, I like. Well, you. it's
2: just like I don't. It's so oh, true though. If you are walking in and you are not carrying any gear, I am like, well, just because you are the artist, it's like you are a musician as well. You started off as a musician before you were ever an artist. Carry your own gear right. until everyone knows your name. Just carry your own gear.
0: Ooh, I respect that.
2: Well, the thing is, like right now, we don't have. The guys in the band are having to carry their own gear, too. We don't have roadies. We aren't at that level yet that we right. can pay people to come on and carry our stuff. So until they get that,
1: next I year have will to be. do it, too. Actually, I just want a basketball
2: hoop on the back of a Prevost. Ah.
1: That's what I want. Did you play basketball? Can can you, yes, I love hoop?
2: basketball. You can hoop? I, uh, I love basketball. I'm probably not the best. Uh, but, yeah, I enjoyed it.
1: I feel like I'm going to have to take you to the wire we have to play. Let's do it. I'm down with that. Well, well You can be the ref because I suck at it. So you got to well, make her look The good. next
2: episode, the we're nec- all wheezing, <laughs> smoking cigars, trying to hoop as well. This, this episode, <laughs> smoking, smoking
1: section. <laughs> like, oh, shit. I'm out of shape. Wheezing sweat. I sweat within the first 10 seconds, so we're, I'm done.
2: Oh, God. I, I once did that like online dating thing. I don't do it anymore. Bad decision. But I was talking to some guy from... He was originally from Chicago, and he's like, hey, like, uh, you played basketball? And I was like, yeah, I play basketball, you know, blah, blah, blah. We start talking. He's like, well, why don't, you know, like, we go on a date. Like, why don't we go play basketball somewhere? And I was like, sure. And then I realized how hard it is to get to know someone when you're playing one-on-one, full-court press, <laughs> running after each other. I'm like, so... <laughs> what are you... What are you doing? your off t- time. <laughs> you know, it, it just... I realized that just doesn't work. Every also, shot is
1: a, every shot is a question and Q and A. Q&A question yeah,
2: answer. and also I realized I hate losing. <laughs> so <laughs> if you if you lose to me, then caveman mentality is that you're not strong enough to protect me. If wolves came after me, so you're not strong enough to date oh me. My but God. if you lose, like if you win against me, I'm just gonna be mad. So.
1: It's a double-edged sword. I know. Yeah,
2: I think doing anything competitive on a date is a bad choice. That's at least a, in my oh, in my opinion, that's more
1: like a, that's more like a two-month thing, three-month thing, right? Well, then when y'all play, yeah, I'm gonna ref. I'm just gonna stand back and watch. <laughs> it will be hilarious, actually. We'll <laughs>
2: bring, I'm going to be like. We'll come bring, on, Blue! <laughs> you didn't see that? Come on, Blue! Come on, Blue! <laughs> Never even understood as a kid why they called the refs blue, but I just remember watching this old man in the stands do it one time, and then I was like, "I'm gonna do that." Do that. From and then now from on. then on, like I was like five years old, and I just stand beside the court and go, "Come on, blue!" <laughs> and like not really even know what I was yelling at, but I enjoyed just being part of the moment, you know.
1: I mean, are you enjoying the moment so far? I've enjoyed With everything. I've enjoyed going on? a
2: lot of moments I've had so far. Mm-hmm.
1: So for those of you who didn't listen to season one. We had Mikey Reeves on, who is her producer and co writer. And a moment that we're going to discuss is when I first heard Family Tree, my friend called me and said, I said, I love the song. I said, that's a great fucking song, but it won't do well on radio. Yeah. Because I worked in, I come from radio and I knew how radio was going. And I'm like, that's not going to work on radio. About two, three weeks later, Plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna give him a swift kick with those shoes. Yeah, right yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the cheetah print, screw shoes on right now. With, but uh, About two or three weeks later, um, I get an email of the Atlas every week. So, about two or three weeks later, I see in big ass capital letters <laughs> Kaylee Hammock Family Tree mm-hmm. as the most added female debut single in three years mm-hmm. i had the biggest smile on my face and i and i never i'm the type of person who i would never admit that i'm wrong i'll just be like oh i see your point i see your point but i never say i'm wrong i called that friend
2: <laughs> i love that
1: and i said you're giving me three words
0: yeah
1: i said you will never hear me say it again but i was wrong well you know what She's sitting right here. You can say it right to her. And I said it. Yeah, now <laughs> I said it to the producer. I'll,
2: I'll accept a formal apology. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I said it to producer. to right <laughs> So now I to say to you, I'm sorry.
2: Oh man, no, I. Appreciate I love it.
1: the song though. I,
2: hell, I didn't think it was going to do good radio either. <laughs> to be completely honest, I, I, I see how it is. You know, um, it's a tough battle. It's an ongoing battle. It's getting all those ads at the beginning was great, and God, I'm super grateful for it. But it is still an ongoing war. It's an ongoing every war, no matter, every no day matter my what. reps are out there calling radio stations, making sure they're playing it. And mm. really what I've noticed through all of this, especially the radio aspect of it, is how vitally important a good team around an artist is. Mm-hmm. Because it didn't matter how hard I worked, how many stations I've been to at least around 70 stations in the past 6 months right. at least and you know, making those connections and stuff. But it's also all the all the reps that are working behind the scenes and doing so much that I think there's a lot of people in the industry that don't don't get the credit for all the work they put into this to I make these number rep, ones I think happen.
1: Radio, radio reps reps is one of them. Reps
2: yeah. are always going they're always on the road going out to get those ads, getting those spins for their artists, having to fight against all the other music that's coming in constantly, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to make sure that their artist is staying on that chart and getting played in those areas. And each rep has 12 or so regions that they have to cover. And yeah, no, it's just, I'm really impressed by Capitol records and everything that they've done. It's, it's really been mind blowing to see how, important a team is and how good how good a good team does
1: right. you know what i mean sure enough family tree is climbing the charts yeah
2: it's it's slow it's climbing though but you and know I'm just what grateful for that here's
1: the thing though <laughs> it, it, there's nothing wrong with a slow ca- slow climb
2: yeah that's what all of my team said they're like a slow steady climb is perfect as long like, as yeah. you're
1: going up Go no faster. matter what <laughs> right no, as long as you're going no matter up that's all you need yeah I mean, and and I always tell people, you know, not that this is a goal, but the slower to climb, the bigger the check.
2: (laughs) Very, very true. (laughs) I want this thing to climb for 200 weeks. (laughs) Everyone, like, they're like, God, if I have to hear that family tree song one more time. It's like, ain't nothing, ain't nothing. They're like, oh, God, again? Again? They just played it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It ain't ain't going nowhere. It's staying around. (laughs) Staying on the hunt. Staying on the hunt. that's all. That's that's what you need. Um,
2: That's really been the coolest thing is playing it. And it's, you know, you see these videos of people singing along to Jason Alden or the brothers or someone that now is like made it, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's just like I watch it and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I want that. I want that. I want that so bad. And then I play a show, and all these people don't know me, which is totally okay. I'm a new artist. I'm out here for a reason, you know, so they can know me next time. And um, getting out there, and then I say Family Tree. It's the last song in every set. When I say, like, guys, this is Family Tree, and three girls in the back scream and then run to the front, that's literally what I live for at this point. Like, I... I can't explain how excited I get when I look out and I see people singing along to it or singing along to songs that I haven't released yet. And I'm like, how did you even know this song? I mean, it just wow. I am living for the people that come to these
1: shows. I follow you on Instagram and I saw that someone had a shirt with your face on it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean like a shirt with my face on it. I mean, a shirt that was made completely of my faces. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What, wait, um,
2: what? Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole shirt with just my faces all over it. He even cut the sleeves off of my face and then made armbands with my face on it.
0: Wait a minute, but you wait a minute. You said he. I was thinking it was a she. Yeah, no, he. It, was it was a dude. It was a dude. He wore
2: mine and then his girlfriend wore the Marinamora shirt. They had two shirts with our faces all over them.
1: <laughs> if that doesn't tell you that you wanted something I don't know what the hell it does. Right.
2: That guy made my day that day. (laughs) I mean, I'm telling you, some days are not very glamorous and it's hot. And we're in a sprinter van with a bunch of boys and we're all stinky. Even me. Girls stink too on the road. (laughs) All of us are stinky and we're tired and it's hot and there's no AC. And then you get on stage and a dude has a shirt completely comprised of your face and it's just it's a great feeling.
1: it was Gracie in that video. I'm like, she pointed it out a it. It's on Instagram she pointed it out, and I'm like, "Holy shit." And then she shows a picture, like she holds a shirt up, and then she goes like this, and it's like, I'm like, no, I'm like, this <laughs> fan really did that.
2: He really did it. He really
1: did it it I mean,
2: man, I always talk to my fans afterwards because it's like, why do you like me? I don't even know. But I'm so grateful you're here. (laughs) Like people like that just make my life. It just makes me so excited to be like, you thought of this like you didn't just come to the show. You went online and got a shirt made with my faces on it like that sweatshirt of Oprah that I want. This is amazing. (laughs) You know, so I don't know. I'm, I'm really I just keep saying it i I need to get more adjectives because I keep saying that everything feels unreal and that I'm super grateful, but God, there's no there's no better words
1: than than I, that to express how I feel Have you felt like you made it yet? no okay that's a good answer, <laughs> but you know what That's You're a good when, answer when
2: When do you think someone's made it? What would you define that as because everyone's idea mm. of making it and i your idea of success is very different. Give me y'all's idea of success My
1: idea for an artist okay is having if they can if if they have I wanna say especially an artist comes from a country artist come from Nashville I wanna say having your first sold out show in New York City or your first like your show not like you're on the bill as an open headliner act like show. you're the yeah. headliner. Yeah your first opening show in 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 New York City or in LA by yourself if you have sold out that to me tells me that you've made it.
2: I could definitely see that. And- because
1: those are two big markets that are obviously popular in in two different genres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you can sell out in those two areas, then...
2: I'm going to rent out a Starbucks in <laughs> New York City and sell it out next week. No, are you And really? I'm going to make do it. it. Do it. <laughs>
1: do that shit. I don't give a shit you what venue it is. You didn't say how big the I place didn't say had how be. to be. No, it didn't have to be that. No, no. Mm-mm. Just New York City.
2: You think we can, like, rent out a shoe store or something? Probably. Like, real small?
1: Probably. A hot dog booth? Probably. kidding. <laughs> 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 We're coming up with you. We're going to do it. Yes.
2: <laughs> All right. What's your idea, Dwayne? What's your idea of success? Um, or making it?
1: Or making it?
0: Again, the big arenas. But when you have that song, and it's for some reason, when everybody turns on that flashlight, and it looks like on your phones, and it look like fireflies just flying in the air, that's something that I
2: never, I've never felt brave enough on stage to go. Everybody, take your flashlights out. No, I still haven't felt that ballsy on stage. You know? No. S- nope. I won't ask people to do it. I'm like, I kind of want you to do it on your, on your own. own. Yeah. It's almost like when you ask a guy for flowers, I'm like, honey, if they ain't going to just bring you flowers, they don't mean nothing if you got to ask for them. Mm. So my thought is I'm really hoping that somebody listens to this and then they're like, hey, let's start a Facebook page and alert everyone going to the Kaylee Hammock show yes. that at this time in the show, we're going to turn our flashlights on and mm. surprise me. I would I would ugly cry. <laughs> We I, make, I just I feel like you should ha- make that happen. Make you make that have that happen. to have a really big crowd and they have to be singing along for me to go, mm-hmm. All right, now bring your flashlights out, everybody. Mm.
1: What I can see happening is the beginning of Just Friends. People had a flashlight out during it, and all of a sudden you just see everybody just go with their hands and the flashlight just go up and Oof. down. It starts bouncing <laughs> <laughs> and just start bouncing.
2: <laughs> the one person that has epilepsy is like, Oh God. Oh, God. <laughs> No, don't fall out. <laughs> we have to start putting a warning in yeah. the show before that. Hey guys, um, you could keep the jump into a minimum. Can keep
1: it to a minimum.
2: Yeah, I, I really, I'm excited about all those moments. I feel like when I dream and scheme, my brain is like mm-hmm. one year ahead mm-hmm. financially and um, just stage-wise. You know, I, I'm thinking of things that I'm like, oh, this would be really cool, but. Mm, I can't really have that because how would I bring compressed gas with me in tanks on the airplane? You know, I, I'm looking <laughs> at like some, buses. some crazy <laughs> stuff on stage, and then I'm like, I can't do that, can't do that. That's why
1: they make buses. Yes. But
2: I am, I am always about one glass of wine away from getting on Amazon and buying one of those T-shirt guns. You know, they're like oh, 150 them- bucks, and they'll shoot T-shirts out. Oh, you
1: should totally do but that. But the thing Who is, you gotta bring a. You gotta
2: bring a tank of gas. I don't know, but I am. I'm gonna make my show like do a Cirque Soleil show. You should. Totally I've never do been to one of those, but I've heard they're fancy, oh. and I'm gonna go someday <laughs> to research.
1: You need to go. Go to one. Go to a Pink concert.
2: I've heard that she puts on one hell of a show.
1: Oh, I've never seen her live. I've always I've always watched like the DVDs and the, and Netflix that she's had. She had a Netflix special, and um. I've never, I, and I'm a huge, like, Beyonce fan. Huge Beyonce fan. Who it? But I'm, I'm, I'm borderline, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to go on record, probably people get cursed out and yelling at me when I say this. I'm almost to the point where, like, Pink is all oh, 10 times better as far as, like, production-wise. Really? Man. As far as production-wise. I wouldn't say, like, the dancing, obviously that shit. But as far as production-wise and stage layout-wise and the things that she does yeah, to, for entertainment... Pink is, hands down, the yeah. greatest. Because you're
0: constantly entertained at the Pink show. Yeah. You you can't take your eyes off of what's going on. Yeah.
2: Who do you think um, – I like to sometimes relate people back to, like, my parents' mm-hmm. era of, like, who would be our Aerosmith? Who would be our Rolling Stones? That's a great question. Who would, I, who would be yours? I feel like, personally, I've never seen her in concert live, but I've seen so many videos. I get so much inspiration from watching How She Works – I do feel like Beyonce may be our Michael Jackson. Like, of this generation. The way that she puts on a show. The way she's able to... She's... Almost able to emulate him in a sense, like how she can stand on stage and do absolutely nothing the for a full are minute. Out? Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. remember when was it the Super Bowl that he got on stage and it was and like four first, minutes?
1: And, and have you ever seen the back, the behind the scenes thing? And the guy was like, "Okay, no. Michael. Okay." I like bet he's the like stage screaming. manager's like, "He's screaming out. in the headset. Oh Go, my gosh. Come on, come on." <laughs> he held his shit. Move, he, Michael, just move, Michael. Move. move. And
2: then he, Michael just twitches his foot yeah. and you're like, oh my God. And the stage manager's like,
1: more Michael. Okay. No, I I completely agree with that. She is today's Michael Jackson. Yeah. I think Bruno Mars is today's prince.
0: Mm, Bruno Mars shows are yeah. ridiculous. I have always wanted to see Wait him. Wait till you see
1: him in life.
2: I've, man, I could see the James Brown of, like, inflections as well in mm-hmm. his work and mm-hmm. also just like how his band works yeah the yeah. choreographed yeah. parts and everything did you know the do you know the whole story about the james brown that i got you no so <laughs>
1: she's coming in our pocket she's schooling us that's okay. like, i so, love it let's
2: yeah let's scoot a little closer yeah. on this leather couch for story time <laughs> okay um no yeah found out about this a few years ago I was told by some people in the industry that um every time he says i got you i got you on a live record Mm -hmm. what he's doing is Dwayne almost lost a finger just then for y'all not here (laughs) he almost lost a finger
0: well i'm trying to see if mine was bigger than yours and
1: and and it just well she already dipped hers and hers she would she already won because you already (laughs) dipped yours before update
2: for everyone not here mine's (laughs) always bigger than theirs. (laughs) <laughs> Whatever we're talking about at this point. Let me not, I'm kidding. Let me just, let me We've not. been trying to see how, how far we can get the ash on our cigars to
0: go. Let me just, let me just put my little shit up.
2: <laughs> Lord, what was I saying? He said, I got oh, you. The I got you thing. Okay. It turns out that um, every single time someone would mess up in the band, he would deduct like a dollar or five dollars from their pay that night. So whenever someone would hit the wrong note or they do the wrong dance move, he'd go, I got you. And he would be deducting as they went through the show. And then it became this catchphrase that he would do on stage. But it started from him yelling at the band going, I got you, bass player. That was a four and it should have been a five. Five dollars off your pay. Like that was that was how it all started. They said he was real hard to work with because he he ran a tight ship. But. Hey, that may be why his show was so good.
1: Right, exactly.
2: There's always two sides of the story. He might have been crazy, but he was crazy good too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's crazy all around. Mm.
2: I, there's this. There's these memes going around. I don't know why. I'm just. I'm just jumping from a lily Do pad it. to another lily pad. Do it. Uh, but. <laughs> Uh, there's a meme going around that it's the dude sitting like this for all the people in the podcast that don't know how I'm sitting. He's she, sitting she like has her legs <laughs> <crossed>. <laughs> um I'm acting like they can see us, but um he's sitting behind a table and it has a sign and it says something and it's like Pop-tarts are ravioli. Prove me wrong. Like that that meme
1: have, have you seen that? shit. I have not seen that meme. Pop Tarts mind- are just I'm ravioli. Yeah. Prove I'm me wrong. Right that's so true. Like, <laughs> you can't really prove wrong on that one.
2: I just, I love those memes that they say something and you're like, yeah, and it's like, prove me wrong. And I'm like, I don't think I can. Don't, I, don't I
1: don't think I, I, can. I can. I don't think I can. Holy shit.
2: So someone proved me wrong. Okay.
1: That's not going to happen. <laughs> no. No one's going to no try to prove wrong on that one. Mm-mm. So, all right. So how nervous were you when you moved, to, when you moved here to Nashville?
2: Man, I was so heartbroken and blinded by that. There was no nervousness. It was kind of just a hell-bent need to do something. Yeah. Um, I was 19. I had had a scholarship to Belmont that um, I was so excited for, and I worked my butt off to get. And then um, I was in love with a guy in my hometown, and, man, it just didn't work out. found out he was running around on me. And then um, after that, To shorten the story of Small Town hypocrite, I talk about, you know, I left then. But there was was some time there. There was months where I just kind of lingered in my hometown and kind of just hung around and couldn't find anywhere to really just drive my ambition. I didn't have a conduit for me to create in. And I was playing the same bars and I started just feeling like I was just kind of circling a drain. And I knew I had to leave. I knew I had to get to Nashville. I started dating another guy. And I realized, I was like, this isn't love either. You want to hold me back from my dreams too. And if I follow my dreams, you're giving up on this love. And I was like, well, this ain't love. And so I left. And um, I was heartbroken. I didn't know anyone. It was me and my little 10-pound dog. And um, I had an air mattress in the back that I went and I blew up because uh, motel that I was staying at. It was just not it was not a good place for a girl right. to be staying by herself. I realized that after I'd paid for a week there and I was going to my room when I was getting cat called by some guys that were there drinking on the balcony. And I was just like, I just don't feel safe. And we stayed the first night and my dog didn't sleep the entire night. And I was like, I didn't sleep either. <laughs> so the next night we slept in a target parking lot. I blew up that air mattress halfway and then smushed it into the back of my car. And, um, I was real sad. I was very, very sad. But as Mikey said in his podcast, it was this excited, lonely that I was kind of going through at that time. And now looking back, it was such a sacred time for me. That is when I really figured out what mattered to me, what didn't matter to me, what I needed to work on, what I needed in life and what I needed to pursue that. Um, You found
1: out what you were capable of
2: during that time there's been a lot of moments in my life that I question my strength and the way that God answers that is he gives me a harder task to overcome. And then I realize, Oh, okay. Like God's really good at giving me um, comparisons to help me get through things. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, I thought that boy, not loving me enough to be able to do a long distance relationship the way I wanted to and let me still follow my dreams and still love them. I thought that would break me. And then I realized, no, I can I can live for weeks at a time out of my car. I think I'll be fine. You know? Then I get to Nashville, I become a staff writer at Universal. I finally feel like I'm kinda getting a grasp on like me as an adult, life as an adult, life as a songwriter. And as I'm on a writing retreat, my house in Nashville burns down. And um right after that Jeez. I went through it was an electrical fire, couldn't do anything. Damn. I saved about thirty percent of all my stuff and um Anyways, I just, you know, had to start all the way over. I meet a guy after that. It's a tumultuous, like, kind of fast courtship. It's a whirlwind, you know? Sweeps me off my feet and then just drops me. And I sat there and I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know what, I had everything I owned and loved taken away from me. Boy, you can't break me. And it honestly was like, I, I realize now that God has given me so many beautiful examples of my strength. Because one thing I've always done is I've always doubted this machine that he has made. And I've doubted what I can do with this body and this heart and this soul. Right. And I think that because of that, he's had to give me a lot of hard slaps against the head to go, Hey, kid, look, you're stronger than you think. Shut up and... And realize it, you He's know? He's on your side. Yeah. He, uh, he has a funny way of showing it sometimes. But yeah. you know what? <laughs> if God didn't have a sense of humor, he wouldn't have made me. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I've been given a lot of good moments to, um, to become
1: stronger. That's good, though. That's good, though. You learn a lot from yourself in that. I, I always tell people that, you know, when I moved here, I learned a lot from myself. And I'm still learning a lot by myself. Mm-hmm. How'd
2: you move to Nashville? Ooh. What brought you here to this town?
1: Uh, I always tell people it was school because I started, I started going to MTSU mm. um, but I dropped out about three times from MTSU
2: <laughs> I'm a college dropout too <laughs>
1: we gotta to sit together <laughs> um, um, but I moved down here for music I w- at that point in time I was songwriting oh yeah I was songwriting at that point in time and then I stopped like I just woke up one morning and just literally just had no ambition to write anymore but I knew I wanted to be in the music business so I stayed yep I was living in dorms. I decided I'm going to go ahead and move out. And they were like, well, you're going to support yourself then. You're not going to go to school. You support yourself. Okay. No, no problem. <laughs> Had no idea what the hell I was getting myself into at that point. Adulting in time. sucks <laughs> when you don't know what
2: adulting is. And then when you figure no out what it is, it still sucks It still sometimes. sucks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I did that and it was like, well, here I am today. Close to 10 years later. So I've been, yeah, it's been a whirlwind, so to speak.
2: Hey, well, you, as you said earlier, you may not be making as much money as you were a few years ago, but are you doing what you love?
1: You're Doing what you love, I'm happier.
2: You're doing exactly what you need that's to do.
1: I'm happy. That's all that really matters. That's what matters.
2: There is a, um, there's this great book that I like to tell everyone about for any in any aspect. If you're creative, or just wanting to do what your heart craves. This book is great. It's um, called The Art Spirit. Um, it's an American painter, Robert Henry, that uh, he was very famous for some stuff he painted in the 1910s and 20s. But um, a great surrealist and realist painter. And he has this book that is just a bunch of ramblings that he has said in wow. different um, speeches. He used to go all over and talk to young painters at universities and colleges around the U S and um, and also Europe. But anyways, he has so many great one liners. And when I first moved to town, there was a writer that I worked with um, Chris Bagarness. that he, he brought the book out in this right. And he goes, this is a magical book. He goes, I want you to focus on the one thing that." you feel like is weighing on you right now i want you to like bring it to the forefront of your mind so i did and he goes all right tell me when to stop so he's thumbing through this thing i tell him to stop and he goes okay i'm gonna read the first thing on this page because it's it's not a book that you sit down at the beginning and start it's more or less grab it when you need inspiration and you just need something to get you through and um at that point i had not had a publishing deal yet i was 22 i was still playing four-hour sets every night downtown and kind of kind of just getting treated like a piece of meat by the drunk people that come in and they just want to hear a song and they see a pretty girl and they think that they can touch you. And mm-hmm. it just – I didn't feel – I didn't feel like I was doing what I wanted to do. And I was like, what am I leaving behind? Like, if I died today – what would people remember that I was just a, a singer in a bar? Like, is this what they're going to remember me as? Right. And I don't know. I, I have existential crisis, uh, at least twice a day. If not, there's something wrong with me. So <laughs> anyways, I, you know, I'm thinking about that. The first thing he reads off this paper is if you died today, every single person that you have loved or touched in some special way, that is the legacy that you leave behind. Mm. And I sat there and I was like, Oh like I, and that's when Holy I was like okay shit. this is a magical book. So I honestly I bought the book and anyways I just She almost burnt her, all
1: finger. Almost burnt over her myself, finger. She almost burnt her finger.
2: Trying to be inspirational getting a little too Italian with my hand movements. Yeah,
1: we're
0: about to we're um, about to set this couch on fire. I
2: know. Thank god <laughs> it's leather. Uh, but You're right? <laughs> <laughs> if they had white linen couches oh in here, my god. they'd be gray in two days. Oh my god! Um, but yeah, I just I do suggest that book for anyone that feels a little stale or stagnant in their creative processes, or just sometimes needs an inspirational one liner to get you through the art. Spirit, I'm gonna go
1: buy that book today.
2: It really it helps. I keep it as like a little coffee book table because it's nice to just pick up and read. Uh, the author is Robert Henry. The book is The Art Spirit. Also, there's a book, um, The War of Art. That is an amazing mm-hmm. book by I think it's Stephen Pressfield. I always try to just like spread that stuff
1: because when you find, a reader.
2: I love reading. I'm reading constantly.
1: I love that you are a reader. I uh, I have a whole bookshelf of books in my apartment. You've seen my books. Yeah, yeah. I haven't read all of them.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. But they look really but nice. They look really they? nice. <laughs> you look real smart. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I, I, I was. I tried to start to read one the other day. I was at the pool, and I tried to start reading one. I'm like, I just couldn't get into it. I need something that I can't do any dry things anymore. Like I've gotten to the point after reading like the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah, yeah. And like the motivational ones, like those. I just can't read dry shit anymore. I ha- it has I- it has to be like inspirational to me. It has to be it has to be encouraging, something that motivates me. I can't. I'm like, but other than that, I'm like, because I look at all these all the books that I have in my shelf. I'm like, I don't know if we want to start, you guys, because I don't know how dry you guys are. I love <laughs> that.
2: You need some sauce on that. I, I need some sauce <laughs> on that. I'm like,
1: you guys are boring right now.
2: I'm well, really on. bad about on the road. I'll see a bookstore and i'll be like can we stop can we stop please and then we'll stop and i'll buy like four books and then i put them in my suitcase and they're like ma'am it's overweight when we get to the airport i'm like dang it so then i like take them out you know because i'm cheap i don't want to pay 70 dollars for that overweight so then i'm lugging like five books to the airport and i get home and i'm like why did i need five this week i could have just got one like i i I hoard books. There's things that I hoard, and I hoard books, I hoard plants. And animals if I can. But when you live on the road, you can't hoard animals. I feel like when she,
1: when she makes it and she becomes really, really big, she's going to buy a house that's going to have a, a huge library in it.
2: It's just going to, yeah, literally main goal. Yeah. Main goal for me is I want, as you walk in, because Paul Overstreet's house is like this. And one time I walked in and I was like, this is magnificent. Yeah, it's to the left. As you walked in, there's these beautiful... Um, French doors you open it up and there's this giant window floor to ceiling and then every single wall in that room was a bookshelf and in the middle of the room there's a beautiful white grand piano I would have picked a black one but they had a white one I was like okay all right whenever it just gets dirty way more <laughs> I like things I don't have to dust as much you know so I was like okay I'd probably do this here do that but when I walked in and I saw that room I was like this room is a goal right and I'm not a very materialistic person, but I was like, I, I am into this, though. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, just to have a room that there is no wall available, it is just books. I, I sound like an 80 year old woman. <laughs> <laughs> but that knowledge is power. In the words great. of Oprah,
1: knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Very true. I listen
2: to a lot of Oprah's Super Soul podcasts. So do I. Really good.
1: That's all I listen to. It's really the only podcast I listening to now, besides mine.
2: <laughs> have you? Uh <laughs> do you listen back and do you go like I'm a genius? Or is it more or less like you go It depends oh, I on the should interview. have said that there. should've
1: No, I do both. I do both. Um Jimmy Allen is the one we had we had Jimmy Allen, but he's the one I heard. I'm like, damn, I'm really good. And then everyone like so there's a couple of people I'm like, Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Well maybe you should ask me because I'm the one doing all the editing <laughs> over here. <laughs> So. Wayne's
2: like actually, I beg to differ. Yeah, um, <laughs>
1: talk talk to me. I would talk to you. Which ones am I good at? Which ones I'm not good at? We'll we'll, we'll talk about that off <laughs> camera.
2: And now for this part of the smoking section, we're going to go through the top five worst
1: interviews. Worst interviews, Mark <laughs> like has ever done. Like Mojo or Mojo. <laughs> oh, shit, <laughs> that, that show. It happens so <laughs> well. It happens. This has been great. Any advice that you want to give to any up and coming artists? Yes. That would be listening. Ooh, wow. Especially female artists. Yeah.
2: Female artists. Have your hand in everything. Even if, look, you don't, as an artist, my day-to-day, I'm not having to balance my books. I'm not having to make sure everyone's getting paid. I have people on my team that handle that. But I do know how to balance my books if it came down to it. I do make sure that these guys are getting paid, and I know what everyone's getting paid. That What I'm trying to explain is, like, just... Have your hand just a little bit in everything. When you find a team, explain to them that you want to be explained to about what they do so that you can understand when you are needing things from certain people on your team, you need to know exactly what they're having to do every day so that you can respect that connection between y'all. You can respect that relationship and also know what it is that you're supposed to do And know what it is that you need to delegate and give to someone else so that the whole team can run effectively and all of y'all can do exactly what you need to be doing. But you have to be willing to do everything that you are asking someone else to do. You know what I mean?
1: And if you do that,
2: I think that people respect you more. And also, you will respect the craft and every single step of this process because it's not pretty. It's not fun all the time. It's a lot of long days. It's a lot of travel. It's a lot of moments that you wonder why the hell you got into this. But there's a lot of beautiful moments where everything comes together and everyone on your team is smiling and happy because you have successfully done whatever it is. And those are those moments that you're so grateful that you know all of the work that was put into it because it means a lot more when you know how hard everyone worked to make that dream happen
0: man i had a friend that actually asked me like who's your favorite artist and for the longest i i said i don't know i don't really have one and everything now i can actually say
1: it is kaylee
0: I love you. It's, Kay- it's Kaylee
1: Hammond by far. Yes. Thank you. My favorite female artist is now Kaylee Hammond. I
2: feel so bad. I came in here and I'm just uh, rambling. No. I feel like y'all probably wanted Listen, a lot more no, out of me.
1: No. I've Listen, just
2: really enjoyed today.
1: I, I this, is, this is the whole point of it. It's to make you feel at home, make you feel comfortable. Yes. And I think... I hope we did a good job with that. Look at
2: me, I'm like almost off of this leather couch. I've been slouching so much for like progressively slouching as we went. We, I, I keep just, moving the microphone so farther down and farther <laughs> down to reach my mouth.
1: It's so, but it's, I mean, that's the whole point of this: is to show everyone that hey, you're not just an artist; you are a human being. You are right. a businesswoman yes as well thank you cuz that's what you are and you were a damn good businesswoman a great great leader if you are given that kind of advice because a lot of people don't
2: well it's you, you know don't what don't know
1: what they're doing
2: i got mm-hmm. into this for the love of music i didn't get into this to right build an empire but what i realized was if i wanted to connect with as many people as i want to and if i want to make as big of a good imprint on this world as i want I have to work the business. I have to play this game that some people are like, I'm not willing to play the game. And I'm like, all right, well, it's part of it. As awful as that is. But what I do have to say is there's a good way and the right way to play the game. And that's just being straight up honest with people. That's being kind to people because everything comes back to you in this industry. Mm -hmm. Be nice. Make. True one-on-one connections with people when you have it. Don't email them, call them. Uh, that's something my yes. manager Mary Hilliard and I talk about. Like, make this entire industry, especially country music, is based on relationships. So mm. make sure that your relationships are strong. Be the person that you would want to connect with.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. If
2: you're that, I think that only that comes towards you. You know, it just be be the energy that you need around you, and that will gravitate towards
0: you. That's so. She's out there handling her god, shit. She's handling her Namaste. shit. Namaste.
2: Get god, your chakras it. in line, ladies. <laughs> 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 I sound so like <laughs> I sound like a little yogi over here. Oh my
1: god, <laughs> this has been great. This is a, this is the season opener for season two. Yes. Whoop, whoop. You season opener smoking
2: go. section. Yes. This is the first episode.
1: We, I'm gonna really have her. Do
0: that. <laughs> We're gonna take off our beginning and use that beginning. I'm gonna really, yeah, I'm
1: gonna really have her do that. Another 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 episode of Casa de Monte Cristo. Thank you for the cigars. Yes. Yes. And the drinks. Yes. And the atmosphere. Yes, it's been amazing. It's
2: been a good. Hang. Thank
1: you so much for coming. Yes.
2: God, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here.
1: I yeah. love it when she's she, when she. I told you when she just instantaneously said. I need another reason to smoke a cigar. We give you one. We got you. Yeah,
2: I'll be back for episode two, exactly. episode three, episode four. They're not going to get rid of we're me. We're going on the road with you. Slowly, like, y'all are going to hear my voice in the back of episodes, and you're like, how does she even know we were filming today? Like, And I'm like, hey, guys, back
1: here. I'll be quite all right with that. Quite all right with that. All right, that's it. Thanks, man. All right.